0: So, good morning. Uh, My name is Paul Martin. Um, I'm uh, from Events Air. I've been in technology for about 25 years in this industry. And uh, what we're going to talk about today is very much the way that the industry has changed, particularly in more recent years, and how technology is then going to play a role going forward to help you deliver meetings in the way that, I certainly feel, and I think the industry feels that we should be delivering meetings for all of our audiences going forward. So we'll all very much recognise uh, an in-person event. We're all here today. We all love getting together. And this was our event world up until 2019, 2020. And 2020, all of a sudden COVID comes along and it disrupts everything that we've ever known as an industry. We then end up with this and we're then in completely foreign territory. For the most of us, some some event planners had been doing virtual and hybrid events for a number of years, but for most of us, we were in very, very foreign space. And we then not only ourselves had to get used to how do we deliver an event in an effective way in a digital environment, we had to get our, our attendees into a mindset that they could actually attend an event and get value out of it and I think everybody persevered with that you know we had no choice so we were very happy to sort of accept that for a time we then came out of that and we ended up with this very difficult place of event planners very much wanted to go back to in person largely there is a bit of a divide corporate meeting planners that I talk to are very happy to 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 continue on very much in in the virtual space or the digital space, but generally speaking, if I'm talking to an association or an exhibition planner, everybody wants to get back to in person because it's what we know and it's what we know how to do. And it's also where a lot of our revenue bases are then then generated, so we know how to make revenue in that in-person world and we know how to do that well. The problem with this for me is that we then, wanted to snap back completely into in-person largely. And where the challenge really comes in in the new world is that we opened up an environment where we had a whole new market of attendees that were able to attend events through that COVID period, that as we've come out of that, we're now either closing the door on, have closed the door on, or we're starting to restrict the way that they attend. So we as event planners are now saying, look, unless you can attend in-person, you might not necessarily be able to come to an event. And that can be very challenging because those audiences, again, in a time of accessibility and and all of those different things that we're trying to now comply with, that's very, very difficult to say, why should we alienate those audiences? So the question is, what do we do now? How do we embrace all of those audiences? How do we bring all of those audiences into our events? How do we do it in a cost-effective way? Because one of the other things that event planners have always grappled with coming out of COVID is a number of, of challenges is Who is our audience? What audience are we trying to embrace? Are we trying to say that we're going to move our audiences back into in-person? Are we going to try and encourage our online audiences to come and attend in-person? Or are we going to actually have a dual event? Uh, And what does that dual event look like? Is it all uh, synchronized? Is it that we're delivering content at the same time to both audiences? Are we delivering content in a recorded way to a digital audience from an in-person event? Who are our audience, and how do we actually engage with them? So in person, as we said, is easy. Um, We all know how to do that. The question is, do we then want to bring remote in or not? And I'd encourage you, this funny company some years ago, uh, we go back to the 80s, for those of you that would remember it, I certainly do, but When we go back to the 80s, Apple was a company that was not a trillion-dollar company. It wasn't anywhere near it was today. It was this funny little company that was competing with the IBM world, and they were the fringe. And everybody thought they were completely mad. They were making these boxes that were hyper-expensive. They were about twice, if not three times the price of of a a normal IBM machine at the time. And Apple, rather... apple were a small part of the market people didn't think they were going to survive and to be fair at one point they almost didn't but they thought very differently we all then know what happened they came out with different products they adapted to the market differently and they're now one of the biggest companies in the world actually bigger than microsoft so here was a company that people thought was never going to succeed they had high priced products that nobody really wanted to pay for and now they're one of the biggest companies in the world. So, in the event space, I would actually implore that we start to think a little bit differently. So, in doing that, how do our event, how do our attendees want to participate? And and this is the interesting part: is to say, as event planners and as customers, as your customers, quite often we start to dictate how our events are going to be delivered rather than considering how do our attendees want to participate. We might be running the event in person and saying, well, you know, it's cost effective for us to do it. We know how to do it. That's where our revenue base is. But how do our attendees want to attend that event? Why don't we give them the option? And in giving them the option, we're going back to the scenario that confused everybody before of saying, well, virtual was hard. It might have been expensive. Why would I want to go back to that? But why don't we give the attendees the option and focus more on the attendee rather than on on what our clients are are dictating to us that they think the attendee wants. So why should we want to do this? So go back. So inclusivity. I think every corporate these days has an inclusivity policy and events extend into that uh, environment. If you're running an event, why would that not be part of your inclusivity strategy? Why would you not want to actually roll that up and make sure that you are bringing every attendee you possibly can into your event, no matter which way they want to attend? Sustainability, now this is one that gets me because more often than not in the events industry, we talk about sustainability, about reduction of paper and things like that. Sustainability actually isn't just about environmental factors, it's about factors in terms of economic um, um, stability so when we talk about revenues again we all want to make sure that event planners can make sure that they're boosting revenues as much as possible Um, we want to make sure that of course our environmental sustainability in terms of travel and so forth is reduced but there's a number of pillars in sustainability and the other one of course is social because the sustainability of being able to get together and actually interact is another monumental pillar in terms of sustainability and too often we find that we forget about those and we focus on that environmental factor. So there's a number of pieces here that go into it. And when we look at our events, we need to make sure that they're sustainable on all fronts, which we'll talk about in a moment when we get to technology. And then reach. Now, here's the really big part about reach. When we talk about having our event in person, we actually limit the reach of our event because there's only so many people we can fit in the venue. There's only so many people that sometimes can attend the event due to economic circumstances or other. And so by looking a little bit further afield, by looking at other ways that we can support our event, we're going to expand our reach and expand our audiences. So we're opening those doors up again that we we learned existed through COVID. So why would we want to then manage events like this? So many event planners believed that managing their events in a hybrid way was expensive because of the fact that they had duplicated costs. They believed it reduced their revenues, and so they looked at it and said, well, I can't provide the same experience in a virtual way that I could to an in-person way. I can't charge the same amount for, uh, for virtual as I can in person. And some of that was true, but some of it was actually fallacy. Some of it came down to the way that technology was used. And the other one is that many, and this is the real key, many event planners believed that it was far more complex and beyond them to actually deliver their events in an all-inclusive way to multiple audiences using technology. So that was a big driver of us all starting to think about coming back to in person. So what if I was to tell you that you could actually dispel all of those myths very, very easily using technology. And I know probably most of you in the audience now use some sort of platform. Um, I'd be surprised if you don't. I'd be very surprised if many of you are using Excel still to manage your events, uh, particularly post COVID. But I can absolutely guarantee you that there are platforms out there, including ours, but there are many, many platforms out there. If you walk around the floor today, that will help you to support your events in an all-inclusive delivery way without increasing your costs and without making it particularly or overly complex to then deliver all of that technology. So let's then have a look at how this works and how technology can then support you in delivering your event. And we'll have a look at some of our technology as a baseline, but we'll talk about it more generally. So the first thing is very much to understand your platform. So when you're going to look at technology, you need to understand what does that platform deliver. And there's a number of ways that you can utilize technology. The first way is of course, finding a platform that has everything in that platform that you're looking for. The second way is then through integration. And if you're going to integrate with a a number of different systems and try and bring them all together, one of the biggest challenges you have with that is data continuity. So I would always encourage event planners to try and find a way where you've got what we would call the single source of truth or the single data source. So as that everything exists in one place and that you're not ending up with a, it's a a phenomenon called data drift. So what happens when you integrate uh, between systems in some circumstances is if the integrations aren't done correctly or there's some sort of challenge with them, what you'll end up with is you'll end up with the data synchronicity not happening in the right way, it's losing data between systems, it's polluting data between systems, and what I'm really starting to describe there is Imagine that you're registering one system, you've got an app provider in another system, you've got a virtual platform in another system, not only, and we'll leave the costs out for the moment, not only are you actually overcomplicating that environment, you're now creating an environment where there is potential for that data not to maintain synchronicity as it moves between those different environments. Now, not to to say that that, uh, integration can't work, it absolutely can, but it has to be done properly and it adds a layer of complexity. So if you can find a platform that has everything in it, single source of data, it then reduces the risk of that data pollution occurring. The next thing is to go in and choose the way that your attendees want to participate. So in your platform, you should be able to go and build multiple different elements that allow your attendees to participate in whatever way they might want, whether they're gonna be in the room, whether they're going to be at home, whether they're gonna be on the side of the football pitch watching their children or whatever it might be. You need to allow them to attend in whatever way they might like. So it could be that you've got a very, very basic platform. It could be that you've then got some sort of more 3D type platform to make them feel like they're in that type of environment. It could be that you've got a very, very simplified user interface, which is much more like a a Netflix type of environment where they can just scroll through, they can click on the icons, they can see the content that they want to be able to engage with very, very simply. And then finally, on the attendee app, you're then going to surface that content and they can actually view it on their mobile phone. So make that content accessible. Don't dictate to the attendee, you have to be in the room. When we talk about intuitive user interfaces, we talk, I mentioned a moment ago about the Netflix type of environment. One of the things that becomes quite complex for attendees, and we found this through COVID, was the education process where they were using multiple different environments, they couldn't quite get to grips with it, and uh, they jump in and then there was complaints to you as event planners after the event to say that, They didn't have a good event experience because it was clunky or they couldn't connect with people or whatever it was that didn't quite go right for them. So when you're selecting your technology, you need to think about your audiences, the the proficiency of the audiences, and how easy it's going to be for them to jump straight in and quickly be able to assimilate, to, to be able to get to grips with that technology. What we've got on screen here, of course, is really focusing at the moment on session broadcast, but again, this technology should also do a whole host of other things, which we'll look at in a moment, but networking and and other activities that brings the audience together. But for the moment, we'll stick on uh, on session broadcasts. When we then look at the, the mobile attendance option, so I mentioned about Going to uh, an outdoor event, your children are at football, or maybe you're at the, you know, another soft play area, or whatever it might be. You're doing something else. What we found, and it was quite interesting, that when this was first introduced to me, I'd not really thought of it too much. We'd built this into our technology some time ago to say, yep, we um, we would actually like to be able to allow people to view the session from wherever they are on their mobile device. What we then found was that although people were coming to the session in person. They then might have a meeting in their hotel room that morning, but they still wanted to be in the session. They didn't necessarily have their laptop or maybe they had to take a call and they were out in the foyer. All of a sudden they could still remain engaged in the session, but they could do it from wherever they they happened to be. So giving them the option to do this means that you're very engaged with your audience and you're allowing them to then control their experience in your event. And this takes seconds to be able to stand up. And I'm not joking when I say seconds, it's literally a few clicks in one of these platforms to be able to launch this and you can then surface it. The other challenge that people generally had outside of the viewing uh, elements was then how do you get the content into the environment? And the argument was that by the time that you have your AV team on site, and then you're trying to then broadcast that content into a virtual platform, you've got a whole host of cameras, you're duplicating all of your costs because you've got multiple rooms, and that became too costly. So what a lot of event planners chose to do was to put all of their AV in the main plenary rooms and not focus on the breakouts or otherwise. So that... Worked to some extent, but what again it did was it alienated the audience because any of the online audiences or any of the audiences that couldn't be in the room at the time, they didn't have the option to be able to participate in those sessions that weren't broadcast. They could only participate in those sessions that the organizer chose to broadcast. What what this this uh, picture represents is the ability to actually have remotely managed technology. So historically, and we're not for a second trying to say that you shouldn't have AV companies, not for one moment, um, you need AV companies in the room, particularly in those plenary rooms. But what this does is this actually then allows you to be able to put all of your camera technologies and so on in your breakout rooms, have all of your sessions captured, have all of them broadcast, and you can then have this technology remotely managed so it reduces your on-site labour costs. So this, again, technology, we actually have it on our stand at the here today you can see two cameras there it's literally bring them in in your suitcase set them up in moments and you've automatically got a feed out to uh to any any audience that you might want to broadcast to you can also then, through technology, you can then bring in any of your virtual speakers or virtual audience members. So again, as part of engaging those two audiences, if we were to have a Q&A here today, I can obviously reach all of you and you can see each other. Where one of the other fundamental pieces fell down was you couldn't then have a virtual audience member engage easily to be able to bring them up on stage because there wasn't too many mechanisms to be able to do it. So with technology these days, we've actually been able to, through the same technology we use for for virtual speakers, we've been able to ad hoc, be able to connect with an actual attendee, so through the platform or through the app, they can actually go in, they can raise their hand, I could bring them up on stage, you could see them all on screen, they could ask their question, you're seeing them, they can see you, and it's all bring, it's all brought together. So both of those environments are brought together. And there's no additional cost for that. The technology does that as part of its base. The same with your speakers. Now, obviously with virtual speakers, there is pros and cons, and there's pros and cons to everything. But with virtual speakers, you have a high, uh, a much higher propensity or ability to be able to get speakers in terms of availability if they're going to present virtually than if you've got them in person. So, for example, if I was to come to an event today, I'm taking up my entire day. So if you've got a world leading surgeon or something like that, they're tough people to get. If you can actually get them to join a virtual session and join for an hour, so there might be, and I actually know of people in, uh, in Asia that have done this, where they were actually in surgery in the morning and the afternoon they were presenting virtually at a conference. So it makes those, uh, those people's time a lot more available. For an event planner, it means that you've got greater accessibility to those speakers or those pools of speakers as well. So again, all of this, this doesn't need to cost you anything more. It's a really, really simple technology to be able to implement. In terms of audio, this is another challenge that quite often we heard, well, you know, if you're gonna do on-site and you're going to do um, uh, virtual, that it's a really challenging thing to be able to bring all of that audio together. How do I get the audio from the virtual speaker or from the attendee? and How do I get the, the sound from the audio in the room back to those people and so on? It's very, very simple these days in the respect that we use all of the microphones and so on on those remote devices. We bring them in through the software, broadcast them out to the speakers or headsets in the room, and then reciprocally we push it back out to those speakers and headsets of the users that are in the remote audience. So you can synchronize all of that. You don't need a team of 10 to do it. You can actually do it very, very simply yourselves with about 10 to 15 minutes of setup. And then how do you control all of this? So we've talked about bringing in your cameras, we've talked about bringing in your audio, we've talked about then having all of those uh, virtual presenters and bringing people in on screens. How do we do all of that? It sounds like a really challenging thing to do. Well, again, historically, and not to, not to reduce anything from AV people at all, um, when we're doing it on a slightly smaller scale, Everything can be done in a software console. So, what historically a mixing desk was used for, you can now do in software. So, across the bottom of this particular um, example, the navigation bar in the middle, in the bottom, it would actually allow me to go and connect with my cameras. It would allow me to then choose down the side on those previews there what. Uh, what cameras I was actually going to bring on stage or what shots I was going to bring on stage. It would also allow me to zoom or move all of those cameras around. It would allow me then to control the audio channels and all I'm doing is sitting at my desk, clicking a mouse. And I can do it very, very simply. The other thing that seems a little bit like witchcraft is the ability to then control all of those monitors and devices remotely. Now, pre-COVID, there were ways to do it, but they were very, very expensive and very, very limited in, in the access that event planners particularly, it was just not something that we'd ever gone into, uh, that we had access to in these areas. So. What this does is this allows you to go in and through a few drop-down options, you can simply go in and choose whether you're going to connect to a remote camera, a remote monitor, if you've got a screen on your stage and it's a remote monitor, you give that monitor a name and all of a sudden you've now got a screen that you can then broadcast or port content to and you could be, anywhere in the world. So you could actually have your team back in the office whilst you're on site running around doing what we do as event planners, you could actually have some of your team members back on site managing all of this, managing what content was going on the screen, managing what content, what um, uh, speakers were coming in from outside and so on, putting them in the green room. That can all be done without anybody having to be on site. And adding these, as I said, very quickly, adding these um, the devices in, this is really just so you've got context here. To add them in, all you're doing is clicking on simple buttons. So when that all comes together, it creates an ecosystem that looks like this. And where people have said to me so many times, it's going to be really difficult, it's going to be really complex, it's going to duplicate my budgets. And I have heard horror stories about people saying that, to employ a a virtual platform, that there was some sort of virtual venue fee, um, that I would certainly try and steer away from, there shouldn't be, but if you've got a platform that allows you to stand all of these elements up, you could do all of this, and if I just get out of the way here for a moment, um, you could do all of this in a platform without any additional cost at all. So in terms of delivering content out to your entire audience, be it online uh, in a virtual portal, online through their mobile devices, or in the room and bringing those external people in, you could do all of that without additional charge. The platform will support it. The The only cost, I guess, would be a small amount of time, and to set all of this up would probably take about an hour in total. So outside of all of that content, because we know that content is is king in our events, outside of the content, the other elements that of course we want to then bring together between the in-person and the virtual environments is things like networking. So, again, with networking, your virtual platform will support that. You've all been in virtual networking, no doubt. It could be in a chat function. It could be in a digital video function, like a video call. You can connect this, again, going back to using a single platform, If you've got a platform that supports the portal and the uh, attendees' mobile device, it'll actually bring those together without you actually having to do anything at all. There won't be any integration needed. It will, because it's all on one database, it will bring it together naturally. So if I was to go and um, find Allison, and I was on my mobile device, she's on the, uh, the mobile platform, uh, or somebody in the, in the room here is actually trying to connect with either on their mobile device, it will bring it all together through the software. So again, it's a simple thing, it takes a short period of time to set up, and there's no additional cost. In terms of audience engagement, we've all had gamification, we've all done gamification, and in in an in-person world, tends to work quite well. One of the things that, again, we sort of forgot about was how do we then connect the in-person audience with the virtual audience if you're going to do that, and we should be doing that. And so with gamification platforms these days, you'll find that they are now hybrid. So again, utilizing the mobile device, and the mobile device is really the key to bringing all of those audiences together. You can then create your uh, gamification programs so as that it encompasses awards and goals and so on for both audiences. So it could be you know, finding something in content that, uh, that everybody has access to rather than it actually being location-based or you might have goals that some of them are for the virtual audience, some of them are for the in-person audience, but they carry the same weights in terms of the awards, so is that there's a level playing field. But there's many ways, and we actually did it with um, one of our customers with a large IBM event where they had 25,000 attendees and a hybrid event, and uh, and they'd done exactly that. So they'd had in-person goals, virtual goals, and blended goals, and they had a very, very level playing field for everybody. And then in terms of social tools, um, we've all. Oh, that transition's not working. Um, In terms of social tools, we've all seen, of course, Facebook and social walls and things like that. What actually happens um, in many platforms these days is, because of data privacy, we've started to move to social walls being event-centric. So rather than actually going on Facebook and posting all of your content on Facebook, uh, many, many years ago, uh, in the early days of Facebook, there was a customer of ours who had a CEO who had a little bit too much to drink, uh, ended up being posted on Facebook, they couldn't get the images down, and of course, you know, it took some, some weeks to be able to resolve that issue. By using closed-circuit social media feeds in events, number one, it helps you to overcome those issues, but number two, it means that you can connect your audiences both in person and again in virtual through the technology. So what you typically have is you'd have this somewhere on your screens in your venue, you'd have it on your mobile devices, you'd have it on your, uh, your desktop um, portal environments, so everybody has access to it all the time. And um, if this was scrolling through, you'd see a variance of in-person, you'd see somebody's cat, uh, you'd see all sorts of different content that various different contributors, no matter where they were, were posting to then provide their view of the experience of the event. And then finally, one of the the real big things that we're all trying to do these days is prolong the event. Uh, And so how do you add value to whether it be an attendee in person or whether it be a virtual uh, attendee? And that's largely through prolonging the event. The event might be two days, but what you're going to do with technology is you're going to either open the event early so you can launch with a, an online portal or a mobile device. So you might actually have all the in-person attendees logging into the portal prior to the event, and maybe there's some sort of um, activity content, uh, pre, uh, pre-event teaser sessions, things like that that gets them warmed up for the event before they even get to the event. So they've got, they've got a, uh, uh, the ability to connect with other attendees that might be attending the event, be it in person or otherwise, doesn't really matter. Uh, They've already got a bit of a taste for what they're going to experience at the event, and that's the precursor. And then post-event, all of the content that is then generated at the event, you could then allow them to then go and navigate that, again, in that sort of very clean Netflix-type environment that everybody's becoming quite used to. So through technology, it's very much a case of looking at how do we now turn our events, and and I think we've got to get away from the world of, of the hybrid event. Hybrids become one of those words that become very, very tainted. It really didn't have a clear definition of what a hybrid event looked like, was it, an in-person event that had recorded content that somebody watched six weeks ago, as I said earlier, is it a fully synchronized event or, or what is it? So where we need to get to in terms of delivery of the, our events is allowing the attendees to choose how they attend, but using technology very, very easily without any, uh, any additional cost to you as event planners, be able to deliver those options and be able to deliver them at equal experience. And so that, from our perspective as technologists, we think that's really where the events industry should be going, it's where event planners should be considering their events go. And if you do have any questions about the additional costs, um, challenges of the technology, uh, concerns around complexity, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about how to overcome those things because it actually doesn't need to be a concern any longer. It may have been at one point, but um, you know these days, you are actually in control more than you've ever been before. Does anybody have any questions? Thank you. Is there any questions from the audience? If there is, just raise your hand and they'll pass a microphone around. Nope. Well, I've either bored everybody to death or that's fantastic that you've taken it all in. Thank you very much for your time today.